time to hear God's words, and I'd like to invite Abby Hepworth onto the stage. So please welcome Abby. Good morning. So yeah, if we haven't met before, my name's Abby and I'm part of the team here at SBS. Uh, we're going to jump straight in today with our Bible reading. It will come up on the screens as well. It's from 1 Peter. We're going to, it's 1 Peter verse 2. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or king, as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is by God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure this, this is commendable before God. And to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. Jumping ahead to 1 Peter 3. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may, may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from your outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, of the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God and used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters, if you do what is right and you do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you in the precious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So before I start, don't worry, I've got my husband's permission to be here today. <laughs> about these verses? Do we, do we feel suitably edified? Submit to your king and your earthly rulers. Slaves, submit to your masters. Wives, submit to your husbands. Do we feel suitably built up? <laughs> Philippa sent me quite a large passage this week and she said, uh, you can pick bits out of it, you don't have to do the whole thing. And I, um, it was quite tempting to skim over these bits. But if you only read the parts of the Bible that don't challenge you or that you fully understand, uh, for me, Bible in a week would take me about a year. So, we are going to jump into these verses, but before we jump into these verses, we're going to skip before to the, the words that come immediately before this, because as with all of the Bible, context is key. So, we're going to start by reading 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the message of my talk today 
is to know your place, but before that, know your worth. When I was at uni, when people asked what I did, I, I used to say, oh, I'm just a student, or I'm just a waitress. And then one day somebody said, you need to stop introducing yourself like that, because you are not just anything. And I wasn't saying that because I thought there was anything wrong with being a student, or because I thought there was anything wrong with being a waitress. I really enjoyed being both those things. But I said, oh, I'm just a student, or I'm just a waitress, because I didn't feel like I had accomplished enough yet. I didn't feel like I was accomplished enough as a person. And so then I was just a church intern, and then I was just a kids pastor, and now I'm just an ordinand, and I wonder if in a few years' time I'll find myself saying I'm just a vicar. We need to stop saying that we are just anything. Because that implies that we haven't achieved enough yet and that we are not accomplished enough yet. It lessens our accomplishments and it lessens who we are as people. We need to stop saying we're just anything, not just for our own sake, but for the, the sake of those around us. Because what if you said you were just a student to somebody who's been struggling with their education for so long and is really proud of themselves for having made it into university or made it into college finally? Or what if you said you were just a profession that the person you're talking to has been desperate to get into but has been repeatedly rejected from? Or if you said, oh, I'm just a mum or I'm just a dad to somebody who's been struggling with fertility and would kill to be in your position? By saying we are just anything, we are subconsciously dragging ourselves down and we are unintentionally doing the same to those around us. Because we are enough. You are enough. We read something really similar to these verses in 2 Peter, uh, back in Exodus. Just before God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments, he says, If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasure possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And in Peter he says, But you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Did you hear the difference in those verses? In Exodus, he says, you will be these things. And in 2 Peter, he says, you are. You already are these things. You already are a chosen person in God's sight. You already are part of his royal priesthood, part of his holy nation. You are not just anything. And it's nothing to do with your accomplishments or your achievements. You have not earned your status, so you cannot lose it. Jesus loves you. He died for you so that your sins could be forgiven. And he rose again, defeating death. Defeating the powers of evil in this world so that we can too. If you have accepted Jesus into your heart, then you already are his chosen person. You are already part of his royal priesthood, his holy nation. Moses, with no experience of leadership, was asked to lead God's people out of slavery and towards freedom. Mary, a young girl who had never been a, been a parent before, was asked to be the, the mother of Jesus. The disciples, a collection of unskilled and uneducated men with little or no formal education, were asked to share Jesus' message and to spread the gospel. Regardless of your credentials, your achievements, your accomplishments, you are enough. You are not just anything. You are not just a man or just a woman. You are God's chosen person. You are part of God's royal priesthood. Know your place, but before that, know your worth. If we view submission with too low a view of ourselves, then we will never see it as anything other than oppression. And that is not what we are called to. If you try and submit to this world before you know your worth, you will get trampled and lost. If you try and submit to this world before you know who you are, you'll be swept up with the crowd, but also never fully feel as though you are part of it. 
And when Jesus calls us to submit, he starts by empowering us. Because if you don't know how important you are to him, and his submission, you will think that you are just an anonymous subject to a ruler who doesn't know your name. You are just a slave being beaten down by somebody who is mastering you. And you are just an unequal partner who is being silenced. Jesus says, know your place, but before that, know who you are. Because knowing who you are will change everything about how you perceive where you are. The place of submission is a place of influence. When I was a teenager, I always remember a boy at Bible camp telling me that people might not read the Bible, but they will read us. And there's a really famous quote by St. Francis when he says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. We have influence in this world and in the way we live our lives, preachers. Even from a place of submission, we have influence. And that will look different in all of our lives. Peter here gives three different contexts. In chapters 2, verses 13 to 17, we are called to submit to earthly leaders. In chapters 2, verses 18 to 21, slaves are called to submit to their masters. And in chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, wives are called to submit to their husbands. And now, sadly, we've come a long way in terms of equality since the days of Jesus. And especially in our context, we don't hold the same views on slavery or gender as they would have done in those days. But we still live in a world in which there is an imbalance of power. And that is something that we grapple with on a daily daily basis. Each of us will have people or institutions in our lives which, whether we like it or not, we have to submit to. Perhaps they are people that we respect, like loving parents or good bosses. And perhaps submitting to those people makes us feel safe, makes us feel secure knowing that somebody else is in control of us, somebody else is looking out for us. But perhaps it is the opposite. Perhaps there are people or groups in our lives who have abused their power and submitting to them makes us feel oppressed and resentful. In each of these contexts Peter wrote about, and each of the personal context that might be flicking through your mind now, God wants to encourage you that from a place of submission we have influence and we have power. He wants to empower you this morning. You might not feel that you have any power. But God wants to remind you today and every day that you are a chosen and royal ambassador of his holy nation. Peter says that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. We remember that Jesus was arrested and persecuted by people who thought that he was a troublemaker. People who were looking for any excuse to tear him down, any excuse to discredit him. And we are so lucky that we don't live in a, we don't live in a context in which we are a persecuted people. But there are still people that are looking to tear us down. (coughs) People whose hearts are hardened towards God or just towards us. And they are looking for a reason to discredit us. And Peter says, don't give them a reason. By doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Don't give them a reason to to tear us down. By doing good, you silence those who are set against you. We are free to live as we want. In our submission to God and to our earthly leaders, we are powerful witnesses. And just for a little context, Gareth sent me a Bible commentary this week by Wayne Grundem. And he says that slavery in the first century looked very differently to how we may be perceiving it. He said, a word stronger than servant but weaker than slave is needed, but no such word exists in the English language. You could be considered a slave and yet still be a manager, a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, and all sorts of other professions. They were generally well-treated 
and there was extensive Roman legislation regulating and ensuring this. It's true that their service was involuntary, but they were usually paid and could purchase their freedom eventually. And now in this room, we have managers and doctors and nurses and teachers and all sorts of other professions. I would assume that people in this room wouldn't say that our service is involuntary, but we do live in a cost of living crisis and in one of the most expensive cities in the world. And so I, I would assume that few of us feel that we're in a position of we could walk away from our jobs. I'm sure that we can all relate to an area of our lives in which we feel that we are not fully in control. And yet we cannot just walk away. We have masters in this world and that can make us feel powerless. So how do we respond when our persecution, when our submission results in persecution? Peter says that we look to Jesus and we remember the ultimate and sacrificial way in which he was persecuted for us. Peter says, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Christ was an example to us, and in our submission, we can be an example to others. Now this doesn't mean that we should be pushovers, or that he's encouraging us into abusive situations. But it means that in the hardest times, we can have hope that we are on the side of the victor. That we can have hope. In a book called Everyday Church by Tim Chester and Steve Timmis, it says we are to live in the midst of an antagonistic world so that others will ask the reason for our hope. Others will ask the reason for our hope. And we pray that our steadfast submission is a witness of hope to those who are also suffering and maybe even to those who are persecuting us, so that they may also be changed by our faithfulness. And lastly, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, not everyone in this room is married, and even those of us that are, perhaps this context is so wildly different to your own relationship dynamics that you might struggle to relate to it. And so today, I don't think this is about wives and husbands. I think this is about any sort of relationship, any sort of human relationship that we have in this world. In those days, the husband was the head of the household, and whoever lived in it, that's wives, children, slaves, they were all expected to submit to him and to follow him. And Peter knows this and recognizes this, and yet he still says that the husbands, the leaders of the households, may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. He says, women, you may not feel like you have a voice in this world, but you have influence and power over the person that has the most control over you in your life. He says you can influence and change them just by your actions. And he says it's not through your loud and outwardly shows and appearance, but by your gentle and quiet spirit that you have worth in God's sight. The bits of you that you think nobody sees, God sees those and God says you are worthy. And although you may want to dress up your outward appearance to seem impressive, God says that you are worthy. God says that by your actions alone, you can influence others. Another important verse here is in verse 7. It says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. That sounds great, doesn't it? Treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Takes a turn there that 50% of us might not be that thrilled about. <laughs> Now this isn't great advice, but I did that classic thing when you read the Bible when you don't really like a verse. And so you look through in every translation until you find a version of it that you do like. And um, in, the, in the message version, it doesn't say the weaker, the weaker partner. It says, as women, 
and they lack some of your advantages. And I, I think that's a better way of saying it, because it doesn't say, as women, they're weaker, but it points out there is a, a societal power imbalance in that relationship. It's true, in those days, men had advantages that women didn't. And it's true today that all of us here will have advantages and some people don't. We know that we live in a world in which there are power imbalances. Whether earned or inherited, stated or implied, some people have advantages and privileges over others. And it's something that we all need to be aware of. Because sometimes all of us can be the wives. And God is reminding us of our influence from a place of submission. And sometimes all of us can be the husbands. And God is reminding us to be considerate, considerate and respectful from our place of advantage. It's important as well to reflect and to be aware that sometimes people are submitting to us. And we have the immense responsibility of stewarding that relationship with care and with wisdom so that we are not the ones making people feel oppressed. That we recognise that sometimes the power imbalance goes in our way and that we are careful not to abuse that. Because in the same way, the way you treat those who are submitting to you is a powerful witness to who we are representing as a chosen royal ambassador, as God's holy nation. I'm going to invite the band to come back up now. So this morning, God wants to remind us all and every day that you are powerful, you are chosen, and that you have influence. In the areas of our lives when we feel like we are in a position of submission, know your worth. Because knowing who you are will change how you perceive where you are. He is not calling you to oppression, but instead to recognize the influence you have within the power imbalances of life. Know your place, but before that, know your worth. Submit and remember that God has declared that you are free. Submit and remember what God went through for you. Submit and remember the influence you have, because even if others haven't recognized it yet, they will. We have influence over the situations, over the people who have the most control over our lives. You have influence. You are powerful. And look to those who are submitting to you. Be good stewards of that power that has been bestowed upon you. Everyone remember that we are equals in the kingdom of God. I'm going to pray now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much this morning for reminding us who we are. Reminding us of the power that you have given us. The position that you have put us in. You have chosen us, you have called us, and we are part of your holy nation. In the areas of our lives in which good earthly rulers, give us good masters, give us good partners, give us good relationships. And Lord, show us where you want us to be influential. Strengthen us and guide us in these areas. Lift us up this morning. Remind us who we are. You did not call us to be an oppressed people, but you called us to be salt and light in this world.